Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Right where you're watching today, lift up your holy hands to the Lord and bless the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh God, we praise you and give you glory. Great is our God. Great is his faithfulness. He knows right where you're at today and he's going to make a way for you. Praise the Lord. Hello to those watching around the world today. I'm Pastor Stephen Brooks. Welcome into the studio. Those of you also in the audience today, it's nice to see you. God bless you today. Please have a seat. Make yourselves comfortable. I'd like for you to take your Bibles and go to John chapter 3. And we just celebrate the Lord's goodness today. Let us receive tithes and offerings and stay in the spirit of worship. And I would like for you to follow along with the receiving of the tithes and offerings because even if you watch the ministry, you watch the messages, and you enjoy the messages, but you have another church that is your home church, I would still would like to share the tithes and offerings scriptures with you because it will build your faith and bless you and cause you to be a greater blessing where God has plugged you in at as well. So I, I want to encourage you, don't skip over this, because you need to build up a strong faith foundation in your life for financial prosperity which is included in the covenant, and by listening to these scriptures and having the scriptures open to your understanding, you will be a key component of the church that you belong to. Now, I speak to those who are online church members, and I also speak to those who perhaps have membership at a, uh, a more traditional type church, but wherever you're at, you need to be a tither and a giver. Can you say yes? See, we have a lot of consumers, but there's also a need for contributors. See, it's more blessed to give than it is to receive. What if we were just all receivers? Well, eventually we would deplete the givers, right? So God wants you to merge into a place from just being a consumer to a place where you're a contributor, and it's really a greater blessing and a, a, a higher level of standing in the Spirit. Praise the Lord. We're in John chapter 3. Oh, I feel the Lord's faithfulness. How about that? You feel the tangible anointing of the Lord. Now, I would like for you to go to the classic verse in uh, uh, chapter 3, which is verse 16. It's all good, but I think most of you could even quote John 3.16 by heart without even looking at it. But let's take a look at it today and notice something very important that will keep the heavens opened over your finances. John chapter 3, verse 16, for God so loved, say that, say he loved, for God so loved the world that he did what? He received, right? <laughs> now watch this. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. In other words, he only had one, his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The highest expression of love is what? Is giving. Did you notice that? That the highest expression that the Father could, to, that he could uh, show to us to verify that he really does love us and he wants to fix this separation between God and man, the highest expression he could do is by giving his best. And he gave his one and only son. He didn't have like five or six others, you know, still hanging around in heaven. He gave his only one. Now, when you bring your tithes and offerings to God, don't ever let the love equation slip out of it. Don't, don't ever drift from that. That is the reason you tithe and give offerings is because you love God. Now, 
it's impossible to love someone without eventually giving to them. I mean, I love my wife, and I can't help it. I want to give things to her. I want to buy things for her. I want to present things to her. And I do that because I love her. And those of you that are husbands and wives, you know what I'm saying. Uh, and those of you that are maybe not married yet, but you're in love with that special someone, you just can't help but want to uh, extend that love through the action of giving. So it's impossible to love someone without giving. Now, it is possible to give without loving. Do you see how I flip that around? It's possible to give without loving. Pastor Stephen, what's that called? Well, normally it's called a bribe. Or, you know, maybe like an illegal payoff. You don't really have any love for the person, but money is being, uh, uh, you know, transitioned over there. So giving is taking place, but no love. Now, understand this. If you give tithes and offerings without love, the covenant will not click. It's just not going to come together the way God has planned it to come, to come together. Never look at your giving of, uh, of tithes and offerings as a banking transaction. It is a transaction, but never look at it like a uh, a robotic, sterile banking transaction, because God is not a robot. There has to be love involved in order for the covenant to work. So it's not like a transaction where you go to the bank and you make a deposit, you give them your money, and that you know that you can withdraw it anytime you want. Matter of fact, when you make this banking transaction, you might not even like your bank. You might be stuck in a town, and you think, well, this is the only bank I've got. I've got to do business with them, and I, uh, we, we do transactions, and, but I don't really like them. And honestly, I don't even know if they like me. And, uh, you know, you might think, well, you know, me and the teller, we don't even really get along. But see, that, that's really not the point. You don't go there because, you know, you just really love the bank. You don't carry out these transactions because, you know, the teller is maybe your third cousin removed from your mother's side. That's really not what it's about. This is just about a, a, um, a sterile transaction. We don't even need feelings involved. I'll deposit. I can withdraw. And, yes, we'd like to receive your money. We'll give you a little interest, this, that, and the other. So, that, that is a banking transaction, but you cannot bring your tithes and offerings to God like he is a banking transaction. If you do it without love, the covenant will not click. It's not going to work. Woo! Let me prove it to you. Uh, very quickly, go over to 1 Corinthians chapter 13, which is what chapter? It's the love chapter, right? 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And look at, uh, very importantly, verse 3. The Apostle Paul said, And though I bestow, or give, all my goods to feed the poor. I mean, that's pretty good. Give everything away, even to where you're homeless. Give all your stuff away. Sell your car, sell your house. Give it all away. That sure would look amazing, wouldn't it? But if you give all your goods to feed the poor, and though, he said, I give my body to be burned... Now, that would be sacrificial, wouldn't it? But see, this is not just a sterile transaction. There has to be what involved? That's got to be love involved. So even if you do these things, give everything away to the poor, even if you give your body to be burned, but have not love, what is your profit? Now, what's your profit? What does the Bible say? 
It, it, it says nothing. Nothing, right? What happens when you give tithes and offerings and you're not doing it in love? Nothing's going to happen. Nothing's going to happen. Don't treat the Lord like you treat the bank. You have to have love to the Lord. Well, I'm, I'm not really into that, Pastor Stephen. I'm a sowing, reaping man, and I'm just going to give it to God. I don't really agree with him, but I want to give it because I want to get something. See, there's no love in that, and it's not going to click. It's not. You're never going to come into the covenant blessings the way God wants you to when you treat the Lord like that. It has to be love motivate it. You give because you love God. You pay tithes happily and give offerings as the Spirit leads because you love God. Don't ever slip into this condition that Paul warned about in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. We're so close. Let's just take a look at it very quickly. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 5, Paul writing to the church in Corinth said, therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren to go to you ahead of time and prepare your generous gift beforehand. This is a pre-planned gift. Paul is basically saying, I'm coming to pick it up, but don't wait till the last minute. <laughs> you know, uh, pull this thing together before I get there. Now, which you had previously promised, they pledged that they were going to get involved in this giving, that it may be ready as a matter of generosity and not as a what? Grudging obligation. Well, Pastor Brooks, I'm going to pay my tithes, but I don't really want to. God don't need your money, and we're doing just fine. Praise God. All <laughs> right? I mean, do I look like I'm out on the street somewhere? No, we're doing fine. All the ministry bills are paid. We're, we're, we are flourishing in the things of God in all facets of our life and our ministry. Hallelujah. See, I have a secret. I have a, I have a secret. I know, I know the prophet's reward. Woo! Hallelujah. Now, let, let, let me talk to you just for a moment. Pastor Brooks, I, I, uh, I, I'll dangle the carrot out in front of you, but if I tie to your ministry, uh, I, I need special privileges. Hallelujah. See, I'm so glad I'm free. Praise the Lord. I'm so glad that I can't be, uh, now, now that those attempts are made from time to time, but I'm not manipulated by money, and I'm not mis uh, manipulated by Mr. Big Bucks or Mrs. Big Bucks. Hallelujah. I'm manipulated by the Holy Spirit, who, whose every motive is pure to glorify the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. I'm set free, hallelujah, and it makes me happy because I know the prophet's secret. Did you know that prophets are supernaturally supplied? Even if everything goes down around them, even if the economy flops and the dollar uh, gets thrown out, and uh, even, if, even if all the banks collapse, a profit will never go under. They are supernaturally supplied by God. Good morning, everybody. Aren't we having a nice time in the Lord today? <laughs> what happened to Elijah? What happened to Elijah when the, whole, when the whole country goes down and everybody's starving, people are dying? He's out there eating filet mignon. He's eating uh, Hebrew national hot dogs. He's having fresh sourdough bread. It's all being flown in by special deliver delivery. He's not starving. He's just doing fine. Praise God. See, it's the prophet's anointing. You'll never go under. You'll never go under. Uh, God will always provide. Now, you have that promise in Christ that regardless of what takes place around you, you don't have to be negatively affected by it. Matter of fact, you can actually flourish and pull ahead during times like that. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. 
Hallelujah. I'm telling you what, stuff like that will set you free. It, it, it removes the begging mentality out of your life. Some of you are beggars. No, I'm not saying you're walking around bare, barefoot looking for somebody to give you a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. But you're a beggar because you don't know who you are in Christ. You beg to get that job. You got on your knees just about and groveled. Please, and you almost like you almost reduced yourself to begging. You degraded yourself in front of your employer. You don't have to do that to get that job. You don't have to degrade yourself. Hallelujah. Whatever happened to dignity in God? Dignity for who you are. Not, not even dignity in Christ. How about just dignity as a human being? Praise the Lord Jesus. You start finding out who you are in Christ, and the Holy Spirit will dry up all that old begging thing out of you. It'll be gone completely. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, you will be polite. There are some things that you're required to ask for, but you'll never stoop to groveling or begging ever, ever again. Your days of being degraded are finished as of this day. Praise God. Did you hear what I just said? Thank you, Lord Jesus. That's what the power of the gospel will do in your life. So when you give, you're, uh, when you pay your tithes and, and you give offerings, it must be done in love. Don't ever let yourself slip to where you look at it as a grudging obligation. Woo! Hallelujah. You give because you love the Lord. And you also love the gospel going around the world, changing the lives of others, and having a, the privilege of being able to have a part in that. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I think it's time for a shift. You watch Christian television, and many of the programs, they end with a, a, uh, a statement either by an announcer or something that's written on the screen saying, this program is here because of our partners. I tell you what, that program is there because of God. And if all your partners withered away, God can still float your boat. Did you hear that? Now, I thank God for partners. He works through partners. I know Luke chapter 8, verse 3, that Jesus had Mary, Joanna, and Susanna, and many others. It says many others who contributed of their substance to support his ministry. I know God works through partners. I'm not an idiot. I have partners, right? But my faith is not in my partners. My faith is not in my online church members. My faith is in God. And if God put me on a remote island and the partners could not mail their offerings to me, I would still make it because God is my source. And when you realize that God is your source, not your boss, not your company, not your job, this, not this, that, or the other, you will come upon the solid rock of the Lord Jesus Christ and your finances will never, ever be shaken. Praise God today. Let us now receive the tithes and offerings in the spirit of love. Those of you that would like to mail them in, please send them to Stephen Brooks International, P.O. Box 3456. Notice the ascending order. Praise the Lord. Mooresville, North Carolina, 28117. If you would like to send them in through the secure credit card transaction, please visit the ministry website, stephenbrooks.org. There's a link on the homepage called Tithes and Offerings, Sow and Reap. Go and obey the Lord right now in love. Never slip into the grudging obligation. Obey the Lord in love and watch the covenant click and work in full operation. Heavenly Father, bless your people. May their finances be rooted in the truth of your word with their eyes on you as the source of every good thing, as the source of every blessing. Now, Father, we thank you for this. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Let us go today to Deuteronomy chapter 28. Thank you. Deuteronomy chapter 28. 
and we'll start there in just a moment. A uh, wonderful report as we were ministering in California, and this is what's also wonderful about ministry partners. We have a ministry partner in New Jersey who knows somebody who was seriously sick in California. And so my wife and I went to California, and while ministering in Central California, a very powerful healing anointing came upon me, and I ministered to this person who someone in New Jersey told them, you need to be in the meeting since you're in California and you're traveling down the state. You need to stop by that meeting and have Pastor Stephen pray for you because he has a healing anointing. And this man in his 30s stopped by. He had had Lyme's disease since the age of four, a very severe case of Lyme's disease. And I prayed for him, not a long prayer, maybe about a three-second prayer. Boom, that anointing went right into him. And the next day, the report has come that he has been completely healed of Lyme's disease after suffering from it almost his entire life. I tell you what, the anointing removes burdens and destroys yokes. We had many mighty miracles take place in those services. So I want to encourage you to watch our itinerary for any upcoming meetings so that you can jump into those and just enjoy the presence of the Lord and also receive the anointing of God, setting you into a new level of freedom and empowerment by the Holy Spirit. Praise the Lord. Well, we are now in Deuteronomy chapter 28. How many of you have ever been to an amusement park and had a fun roller coaster ride? As you can see there for the little uh, picture that was inserted for our live stream event today. And, you know, oftentimes your roller coaster ride, the traditional ones, they start from a low point. Everybody gets in their car, you get seated, and you get on this track, and it starts pulling you up the highest part. But you're, you're being kind of like towed along, pulled, 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 and you start getting higher and higher. Isn't it a nice view when you get all the way up to the top, and you look out over the, uh, the park, and you see the, the beautiful park? But you're, you're, you're all waiting for one thing, right? You're waiting for the big drop, right? So you, you, your hands are up, and you're, you're, you're being pulled up, and you're getting closer and closer to the top, and you're, you're ready for things to begin. You're ready for the, uh, the ride to unfold. And sometimes you just have to tell yourself as you're getting excited, wait for it. it we're almost there. <laughs> and I felt in my spirit to talk about that today because your ride is about to begin. Hallelujah. Your blessing is about to begin. You're about to take that drop where you uh, experience the rush, the exhilaration, uh, the moment that you've waited for. You're ready for the blessings to begin to kick in. And so I want to talk about that today. You've been uh, praying. You have been in the Word. You have been consistent to be a hearer and a doer of the Word. And there's a time when you begin to look around your life and you say, Lord, it's starting to come together. Lord, I tell you what, this is all right. And you begin to see that the hand of God is truly upon your life. I want to talk about that today because it's, it's time to begin that ride. Deuteronomy 28, and let's pray. Heavenly Father, let your Holy Spirit come now and give to us the spirit of special insight and pulling back of the curtain into the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father. Let the eyes of our understanding, which is our mind, be illuminated with light. Now, we thank you that the scriptures might be alive in Jesus' name. Amen. Deuteronomy 28, verse 1, now it shall come to pass. Well, Pastor Stephen, 
I, I do sense I've been in a little bit of a waiting mode, and I'm ready for the ride to begin. When will it come to pass? It's dependent upon two things, and it tells you what they are. If you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I command you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all nations of the earth. So there's two words, diligently obey and uh, carefully observe. So when you are diligent to obey the voice of the Lord and when you carefully observe his commandments, when you are diligent and when you're careful and you're very repetitive with that on a daily basis, not having big gaps of downtime where you just let it slip for about three weeks and you try to pull it back together again and you tithe once a month and you slip for three weeks and you try to get back on track again. That's a long ride to the top before you reach the drop. Woo! You know what I'm saying? Praise God. You have got to be diligent and you have got to be careful and you have got to work the word day and night. If you are a lazy Christian, you're going to have a hard time stepping into the fullness of the blessings of God. You have got to put your hands to the plow, and you have got to work the word. Hallelujah. And stay on track. Don't let anything pull you off track. I'm telling you, if there is something written in the word of God that is the path of God, and you deviate from that, you will hurt yourself. You will bring unnecessary delay into your life. So come on, reach the top. And let that roller coaster drop and let the ride begin. Woo! And then maintain it. So you have to carefully follow those commandments of the Lord and be very diligent that when the Lord speaks to you, that you obey those things and that will determine uh, your ascension rate and then the journey begins. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Now, many of you are at that precipice and it's time for those blessings to begin to unfold. And I would like to speak to you today. If you feel like maybe you're just getting on the roller coaster ride and just beginning the ascent, you need to stay with it and you need to listen to what I'm telling you today. I'll tell you how to get there quicker. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Now, verse 2. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. The covenant blessings of God are conditional. They're all yours in Christ. All the promises of God are yes and amen. Is that correct? But they're conditional. They're conditional. So you have to meet the conditions in order for the covenant to be enacted so that God does his part. When the blessings of God come upon you, when they overtake you, then what happens is that you see the supernatural favor of God in your life, and these blessings literally sometimes is as if they are dropped into your lap. Where if it were your own ability or your own endeavors or your own effort, you could look for years and years, and you could, you could realize this is like trying to find a needle in a haystack. But when God's blessings begin to catch up with you and then overtake you, they're, they're not lost blessings. They're like materialized right out in front of you. And you'll always have to use faith. Even if God drops it on your head, you'll have to at least reach up to your head and take it off your head. If he puts it in your lap, you at least have to reach down there and pick it up and say it's mine. But I'm telling you, he will bring them to you. He will bring them near you. He'll bring them by you. They're unmissable. Uh, they're unmistakable. He could bring it right to your door. 
He could, he could send it your way. He knows how to bring it right on time. And when God's timing is mature and full, it's never late. So I want you to notice that God doesn't want you to chase the blessings. God wants you to chase him. Did you hear that? If you will chase God, then he will cause the blessings to chase after you. They will eventually catch up with you. If they haven't yet, just keep after God. Keep after his word. Keep working the word. They will catch up with you. They will overtake you. That means the blessings can run. They can track you down. Woo, they'll get all over you. But you must put the Lord first. Now, I think in some ways the church has majored on the minors. Now, if you will major on the Lord, then the Lord will take care of the minor things, which are the blessings themselves. Yes, thank you, Lord Jesus. So don't have a wrong approach of trying to just go after the blessings. No, the blessings will come after you if you'll go after the Lord and meet his covenant conditions. Say yes. Thank you, Lord, today. In other words, if you'll focus on verse 1, and you are diligent to obey the Lord's verse, uh, the Lord's voice, and you're careful to walk in all of his commandments. If you'll obey verse one, the Lord will perform verses two through 13. Even if you don't even know what some of them are, he'll still do them. And, and I, I found out that what happens is that, uh, sometimes we realize there's a waiting, there's an interim time, right? Between, uh, seed time and harvest between uh, understanding the promise and then uh, realizing the manifestation of that blessing. There is an interim waiting time. Is that correct? But what I've noticed is that if you will make yourself diligent and occupy yourself there in verse one, before you know it, you've already moved out of the waiting phase and you're already in the blessing phase. Woo. Well, Pastor Stephen, it seems to be a slow, long process. That's because you're not spending enough time in verse 1. And, and, and we, we love all the blessings that are here, and they do need to be studied. They need to be examined. But you'll find that when you get into the Word, you've got a lot to do. There, there's a lot of uh, cleaning. There's a lot of renewing. There's a lot of spiritual restoration. There's a lot of like, oh, Lord, I, need, I can see I need to get busy on this. Oh, Lord, I need to tighten it up over here. Oh, Lord, I need to work on my tongue. Lord, I need to work on my temper. Lord, I need to work on this anger thing. Lord, I've got some things to do. You'll find yourself so busy that before you know it, here comes the blessings. Woo, praise the Lord. But if you focus on the blessing and don't really have your eyes on the Lord, it'll be the watched pot that never boils. Or if it finally does boil, you think, whew, that took a long time. Okay? See, wrong focus, right? So stay in the things of God. Stay in the things of God. Stay fresh. Woo! Hallelujah. And the blessings will catch up with you and overtake you. Now, I would like for you to go to Proverbs chapter 19. And I want to say, wait. Wait for it. It's going to come. It's coming. It's coming. Woo! Some of you are so close. I wouldn't be surprised tomorrow morning your roller coaster drops off that, uh, that high apex and the ride has begun. Proverbs chapter 19. Mm -hmm. And those of you also that are walking in the measure of the blessing, how many of you know there's room for more? Oh, I, ha I haven't put the brakes on and said, Lord, I'm content. 
Lord, I'm happy. Lord, we're reaching some people here and there. Lord, we're touching the nation here and there. I'm not, I'm not content with that. There's more. There's more that God wants to do. And we're gearing up for it. Now, Proverbs chapter 19. Let's go now to verse 2. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge. You know, the scripture says my people perish because of lack of what? Lack of knowledge. You try to get them to turn to the book of Matthew. They've been in the church for 15 years. They can't find the book of Matthew on their own. They have to have it put up on the big screen so that they can know where it's at and read it. And they don't even carry their Bibles with them. That They're ashamed of what somebody might think if they carry their Bible. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. You have to get strong in the things of God. Hallelujah. Or else you'll find yourself perishing in certain areas. Look, if there's any trouble or problem in your life, there is somewhere in the Word of God where there is a solution to fix that. There are no unfixable problems with God. If something's broken or messed up, I'm telling you right now, you can fix it. If you don't think you can fix it or it's not fixed, it's because of a lack of knowledge. So your soul needs to have knowledge. Well, Pastor Brooks, I don't know what to do. You could at least get on the Internet and Google it. Right? <laughs> I don't know what to do. I, I, I mean, you could at least get in the word. Uh, you know, you can go to many of these Bible sites and start doing searches, and you'd be surprised how many times the Bible talks about that subject. And so there are ways to overcome it. There are ways to fix it. So you need to get the proper knowledge to overcome that troublesome situation. The rest of uh, verse 2, part B. And he sins. Say sins. Doesn't just make a mistake. He sins who hastens with his feet. To hasten with your feet. You see a picture of a person running around, rushing like a chicken with his head cut off. Have you ever seen that? Some of you have, haven't you? I grew up on a farm, a rural farm in Mississippi, and uh, every now and then it was chicken night, and my grandmother would tell me to go out and uh, get, get dinner, basically, and that meant go grab a, a nice chicken and uh, cut his head off. And uh, was the funniest thing in the world. They'll cut off their heads and see them still run around. They run around for about a minute and then just flop over. That's because the, the muscles are still working. And uh, then I'd have to take the chicken and get all, uh, dip him in boiling water, get all the feathers out, and uh, clean him up real good, then open him up and get all the guts out, this, that, and the other. That's country living, I tell you what. Woo! We did it to the chickens, the hogs. Uh, no animal was safe except the, the, the pet cat and the pet dog. Praise the Lord. But anything else was considered possible food, especially during the winter. Hallelujah. But see, rushing around, frantic, in a frenzy, scattered. Uh, and see, the Lord doesn't want you to be like that. He wants you to have a divine composure. He sins who hastens or who rushes around with his feet. And you're so busy. You're so busy. You don't have time to pray. And when you don't have to pray, time to pray, guess what happens? That old carnal mind, not the mind of Christ, the old carnal mind, which Paul said is always at enmity with God. It's, it struggles with God. It, it's a form of hatred against the ways of God. That old carnal mind will rise up and say, you're too busy to pray. You're too busy to pray. And what happens is you begin now to hasten more. Run here, run there, do this, do that. And, and you can make a mistake and you sin and you end up getting out of God's will. Now, as a believer... When you're in the perfect will of God, you'll still have challenges. 
I'm not, I'm not, uh, promise you that everything's going to be peachy just because you're in the perfect will of God. You can be in the perfect will of God and still have, uh, major things. But the difference is, is that when you're in the perfect will of God, God's blessing is on your life. God's empowerment is upon your life. The anointing to do what God has called you to do will always be there. It's wonderful. But I tell you what, you get out of God's will. Woo, that's a hard place to be. I'm talking to believers. You get out of God's will and you make a wrong turn because um, of the haste, the um, negligence to wait and to get God's best, and you rushed and you hurried. My friends, you not only have made a mistake, you have sinned. Oops, Pastor Stephen, I, I, I didn't really mean to do that. I rushed into that. I, I didn't heed counsel. See, it says in, in the multitude of counselors, there's what? There's safety. And you just take God's word, throw it aside, and rush. Anyhow, do your own thing. You make mistakes. Oops, Pastor Stephen, I'm sorry. I, I married the wrong person. And now, I, uh, you know, uh, I, I was counseled not to marry that man. And now I'm finding out things about him that I didn't know. Oh, what's he doing? Well, he's beating me up. He's twisting my arm. He's do, he's he he's punched me. I see. I I get, I get the emails. I, I get the phone calls. Pastor Stephen, it's one o'clock in the morning, and my husband just about has bit my finger off. And, and see, they made a mistake. They made a mistake. Many of the people I talked to, they were told, "Don't marry that person." Somebody spiritual spoken to their life. Please don't do that. But we, we know you want to get married and we know there, there, uh, that, that even God ordains marriage, but you know, you need to get the right person. You need to get, you need to get the right person. Mm. Pastor Stephen, what should I do? Call your pastor. Because many people also uh, contact me for advice and they belong to a different church home. They, but see, they want to call me because I, I'm way over here. And it gives them a little more freedom to continue on with their silliness. No, humble yourself. Go tell your pastor that your husband broke your nose last night and that you didn't fall down the stairs and get the help you need and get set free. Well, well, if I do that, I'm going to look like you're going to look like you made a mistake, aren't you? But see, see, don't, don't be afraid. God's not trying to bury you. God's trying to help you. There's nothing that God can't fix. But the first thing you need to do is that if you have hastened with your feet because you didn't wait for God's best. I want to talk about waiting for God's best uh, and catching the ride that God has for your life and enjoying that. If you have hastened with your feet, you, the first thing you need to do is tell the Lord, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I didn't like just make a mistake. Lord, I sinned. Lord, I shouldn't have hooked up with that business partner. I, I had some red flags, but I overrode them because... I wanted to make a lot of money. Lord, I'm sorry. I didn't just make a mistake. I sinned. And now we're in a legal binding contract. Lord, what should I do? And you, you have to talk these things over with the Lord. First John 1, 9 says that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So there's a place you can just get on your knees and say, Lord, I blew it. Uh, and Lord, I, I need your help. Uh, I've, got, I've gotten into something that I never should have gotten into. Lord, what should I do? Lord, I, I purchased the wrong home, and uh, I didn't know the subdivision was going to go bankrupt. Uh, uh, Lord, I didn't, I didn't know my home was going to lose $200,000 in value. I, I felt the check in my spirit, but Lord, I wanted a home. And so now you've done something. You, you've hastened into something. And the first thing to do is say, Lord, I'm sorry. Lord, uh, please forgive me. And he will. He will. And then he'll give you his wisdom. 
because there can be times where you can actually reverse course and you can find that that exit off the freeway that you made and you can get back onto it. You lost a little time, but it's no problem. Even the grace of God will be there to help you get back up to where you should be. But there's other times you maybe you, you took such a far exit off that course that it has changed even your life a little bit. Now, maybe perhaps you not only are you married to somebody that was not the right move, but now you have children. It's, and so it's not like you can just throw the towel and say, I made a, I made a mistake. See y'all, see y'all later. <laughs> okay. So there's the wisdom of God and the Holy Spirit. He has the wisdom to lead you in the right path. Even if you're in a place you made a mistake, the Holy Spirit, he understands our, our human frailty and he will not condemn you or push you down. He will always offer you hope and a ray of light. And he'll give you scriptures. He'll give you insight on what you can do. And also godly advisors will help you. And before you know it, God begins to turn it around. Or God takes it as it is. He'll make beauty out of your ashes. Okay? So give it to the Lord. Don't, don't, don't act like it's going to go away. Or don't, especially don't act like it's not there. Okay? You need to, you need to get that right with God so that the blessing starts to work the way it should. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. You know, when I was in high school, um, I, I got around a guy that um, that was a world-class, he went on to become a world-class runner, and he inspired me. See, I was too skinny to play football, and I, I just didn't have the, uh, you know, the, uh, the muscular strength to, I, I could have played, but I wouldn't have started, so who wants to just sit on the bench, right? And I, uh, uh, basketball, I, I liked it, but I, I knew that basketball I could only do recreationally. I, I couldn't really probably make the, the A-team. So um, I thought, Lord, what can I do? I'm skinny. And so I met this guy who was a distance runner, and he, he just shattered our high school record, and he was a couple of years older than I, and uh, we just we had fun talks. And before I knew it, I started, like, running with him. And before I knew it, I, I found my niche. I found something I was good at. And, and then I was blessed to have a very good coach, and uh, the coach uh, mentored me. And, uh, and, and the next thing I know, now my younger brother, he's getting pulled into it. And he's a couple years younger than me, so he has even more years to blossom and, and develop in high school. And, but I ended up doing very, very well and uh, started winning almost every single race that I showed up at. And I, I enjoyed that. And my coach, he told me uh, when I was a senior in high school, getting towards the end of my high school uh, year, getting ready to graduate, he said, Stephen, I have called and spoken to my former coach at the university that I attended many years earlier. I have told him about you. I've told him about what your times are, and I've, I've given him the rundown on, on you, and I've also told him uh, about what I think your potential is, and they are extending to you at a four-year university a full scholarship for four years. He said, I've already spoken to them on the phone. The whole thing is paid for you. A four-year scholarship to this university. And he said, I would like to also share this with your parents and talk it over with your parents. I went home and I told my mom and dad. I thought they were going to be very, very happy. Now, now I'm not upset at my mom and dad with what I'm about to tell you. I'm happy I understand how the Lord works. But I, I want to share something important about sometimes taking a wrong turn. I went home and I told my parents, I'm a senior in high school, I'm a young guy, I'm only 18 years old. I tell my parents I have a full scholarship being offered to a good four-year university. And they said, absolutely not. I said, what? And they were not the least bit excited, they were not the least bit moved. They said, you're going to this other university, which is a Christian university, which is affiliated to the church that we belong to. And I said, well, I... I 
I don't, you know, I, I want to go over here. You know, I, you know, my, my coach, he's opened this door for me and I, I would like to run at this university and I, I could really do well there. No, 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 son. You're going to go to this university. This is where your big brother has gone. This is a Christian university. We want you to have a Christian education. Praise God. And uh, so you're going to the Christian university and that's just the way it is. And so I submitted to my parents, and which was the right thing to do. Now, I understand the motive of my, of my parents. They wanted me to have a religious education with the influence of the uh, church that we belong, those certain church beliefs. They wanted me to go there and continue to be under that umbrella of that church influence, which uh, had a four-year university. Uh, it's not in Rome. It was in Texas. <laughs> but everybody, every denomination has their Rome. You know what I'm talking about? So this one was in a certain place in Texas. I won't say the name. Uh, but th- that's, that's where they said, I'm going. No prayer. Well, who needs to pray? This is just the right thing to do. You must go to the, uh, right? I mean, why pray about it? You go to the Christian school, right? And, um, so, all right. I, I told my coach, my coach was heartbroken. He was like, why would you turn down a full ride? I mean, you're talking like a $40,000 a year. This is a, like a, like giving you a $160,000 scholarship to pay for your whole, uh, uh, tuition for four years. Why would you turn? I said, coach, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know I want to do it, but headquarters has spoken and I, I, I have to submit to my superiors in authority. And so, um, so I, okay, I go off to this university. And I, uh, you know, kind of get plugged into the university. I found out that, uh, now this was a large Christian university, but most of the students, how can I say, you couldn't tell this was a Christian university. You thought this was some kind of a heathen pagan campus. The way most of these so-called Christians were living, uh, it was hard to find a believer. I'm not so much a believer, but a person who actually lived it, very hard to find. Now, there were some there, some fine Christians, but most, most of the people there just... They weren't no more living for God than, than, uh, the secular universities that certainly weren't living for God. But I had to go to the Christian university. So guess what I discover when I get to the Christian university? Two very amazing things. One, I joined the track team. The track team was an elite track team where they had, um, uh, sought out some of the best runners from around the world. We had Olympians on the track team. And the track team was so stacked, I couldn't get a scholarship. There, there were people that ran second behind um, the 4 by 100 meter relay. Uh, when was that? In 84? Uh, Carl Lewis. Remember Carl Lewis won all the gold medals? They won, the, they won that. Uh, almost all the guys that got second place, that got the silver medals from Jamaica, were on the track team. The, uh, the distance runners were pulled from South Africa, and this was when the African nations with, uh, were beginning to bud, and the, the world was finding out the best distance runners were in Africa. So they pulled this international elite track team together, and I was there. I was good, but I was not good enough to work my way into a full scholarship. Guess how much scholarship I got? Zero. But I still, I still ran and, you know, and lettered and, and placed and, and did well because, you know, I, I could kind of hold my own, but I wasn't good enough there to get a scholarship. So guess who we competed against? Guess who was in our conference? The other university. The other university that I always wanted to go to. And we would compete against them. And 
every single one of their guys at the other university that was on their track team in their distance program, I beat every single one of them. Anytime we had meets, I beat every single one of them every single time, and they're all on full ride. They're all on full scholarship, and I'm finishing above every single one of them, and I'm not getting anything for it except the salami sandwich after the track meet's over. That's it. After the track meet, maybe stop at Dairy Queen. We get a, get a meal at Dairy Queen. That's my, that was my scholarship. And so it's a strange world, isn't it? Strange world, isn't it? Pastor Stephen, what was that? That was a wrong move. That was a wrong move. I went, I went to the Christian university and almost lost my salvation. <laughs> I almost lost my religion with all the, 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 the junk, the sin that was there. And most of the guys at the secular university on the track team were living holier lives than almost all of us on the Christian track team. My Lord have mercy. Hallelujah. And so, so this is what happened. I got no scholarship, but guess what I did get? Massive debt. Because I got to pay that. Sign the note. Stephen Brooks, sign your name so you can go here. It, uh, it's government funding. Yeah, government funding. You got to pay back. Government loans, you got to pay back. So for the next 20 years, I sweated out those. <laughs> I sweated out those sorry loans where I finally paid them off. Well, it wasn't 20 years, but it seemed like it. So full scholarship. Mountain of debt. I see. I missed my blessing. I missed my blessing. We never prayed. We never sought the Lord. And I know my parents. Later in life, they sit. They sensed that, and they also helped me uh, kind of rebound and kind of whittle those debts down. And um, but but it's it's interesting because if, if you hasten with your feet, you get into something that can really sidetrack you. I'm not saying you can't get back on track and you can't make up for lost time. You can, but why take a big wrong move like that in the first place? Why not wait? Why not sit down as a family and pray and say, let's pray and see what the mind of God is concerning this. But that old carnal mind says, prayer, who needs to do that? We're smart enough on our own. And next thing you know, you're in a mess. And you don't know how to get out. So if that ever happens, repent and humble yourself. And the Lord will come and he'll redeem the situation. Praise the Lord. We're very close to it. Let's drop by chapter 21 or Proverbs 21. Ooh, thank you, Jesus. Proverbs 21. Now remember, wait on the Lord and you'll get his best. Woo! And he reveals his best. Take the best. You take anything else, you're going to get a sour apple. It's probably rotten on the inside. Mm -mm. Proverbs 21 Verse 5, mm. what's worse than biting into an apple and finding a worm in it? What's worse is biting into the apple, finding half a worm in it. means you ate the other half. Verse 5, the plans of the diligent lead surely to plenty. Don't be a slackard. Don't be lazy. Be diligent. And you're going to end up having Lots of stuff. You'll end up being plenteous. But those of everyone who is hasty, surely you're going to end up impoverished in somewhere, somewhere in your life. This is a contrast between a biblical plan and hastiness, or what we would call in our Western culture, flying by the seat of your pants, just hoping that it works out. Brother, you got to get down here before midnight because at midnight this deal ends and there'll never be another one like it. Yeah, until you start the whole thing up again two days from now. 
This is our last call. This is the last call. Come now. It's close river. Heard that before. And then you look in the paper. There it is again. Two days later, they're doing the whole thing all over again. It's just a big scheme. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So you, you want to wait on the Lord, have a biblical plan, and not just be hasty, running around, rushing around, hoping that you're the one. Oh, Pastor Stephen, don't say it. I hate it when you say it. Hoping that you're the one who wins the lottery. We sure have a lot of church folks today who love to play the lottery. May the Lord deliver you from that lying deception from hell. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you understood the covenant promises of God, that when you perform your part of the covenant, that God is obligated by his sworn ward to come in there and now make that thing work. If you understood that, you'd never play games with the devil. Because the devil games, his games are never fair. The odds are always stacked against you. It's always on his turf where he has the leverage and he'll always use it against you. But you can have a sure, secure foundation. You can have sh sure, strong, stable finances when you do it God's way. You can have a sure, strong, blessed marriage when you work the word and follow God's principles. There's no gimmicks needed. You don't need some weird backup plan. Praise God forever. Thank you, Lord Jesus, today. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. You know, I think about people that buy lottery tickets. All the money they could have sown as seed and work God's system of seed time and harvest and have a sure method that works every single time. But they're taking seed money and they're throwing it away. They're throwing it away. It's a form of, of the devil stealing from you. If you're doing that, and that temptation comes to buy the lottery tickets, sow it as seed instead. Plant it as seed instead. You feel that draw to go out and buy some cigarettes, and you're still struggling to overcome cigarettes. Take the money you would have spent on cigarettes and sow it as seed instead. Give the Lord something to work with. Matthew chapter 6, please. Matthew chapter 6. It's just helping you out today. Woo! Matthew 6, 33. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Pastor Stephen, what is the kingdom of God? Well, the Lord Jesus is a king, and a king has a kingdom, and he has subjects within a kingdom. So the kingdom of God is God's way of doing things. And if you do it his way, it'll work, and there's consistency with it every single time. And when you do that, you'll find that the things that you need, they just start showing up. God will add them to your life. Isaiah chapter 30, please. Let's move back to the Old Testament, to the book of Isaiah chapter 30. Because the ride of your life is about to begin. You're going to begin to accelerate and pick up pace like you never have before in your life. You're going to see the blessings of God all over your life. Woo! You're going to break out God's way. Glory to God. You don't need any of the devil's junk. You can work it God's way and come out on top. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We're in Isaiah chapter 30. And let's go to verse 18. Therefore, the Lord will wait 
that he may be gracious to you. There are times on purpose God waits because he's setting it up just right for you. He's pulling it all together just right because he loves you so much. So there's a waiting period. And he does this so that he may be gracious to you. And therefore, he will be exalted. See, God's going to be glorified out of what's going to take place in your life. That he may have mercy on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all those who do what? Who wait for him. If you wait for God, you'll get God's best. If you rush or push God, or you, you just run ahead in haste, you will get a much inferior option. You will get something. I'm not saying you can't get something, but you will get something that might not even be second best. It might be like 22nd best. It will be so far down the ladder of blessing that any joy will be temporary. It'll be lifted probably within three days. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and know when to push and also know when to just hold steady and say, everything's all right. I know it hasn't happened yet. It hasn't showed up yet. It's okay. Everything's all right. I know God's working. I know God's working. There's a waiting period and interim. But when it does show up, it's going to come right on time and it's going to be really, really good. The amazing thing about God, again, is that when you allow God to work and you, you go through that divine waiting period, when it does show up, it, it, it comes directly to you. It comes so clearly that you can't help but say, surely this must be God's blessing. Surely this is God's blessing. And there's such a witness of the Spirit. But if you, if you try to push it, you could end up making a wrong turn. The international minister, Walter Butler, told about a tremendous vision that he received from the Lord Jesus that was so powerful that it launched him into a, a ministry where he actually ministered in over 100 nations of the earth. Personally stood in over 100 nations. Now, before this vision, he had never been to one nation. But when he had this experience with God, it launched him into a global ministry of uh, a very rare ministry of bringing forth the presence of God in a tangible way in which people could literally experience. But if he would have rushed the Lord, he would have missed the entire launching point. But he talked about that. He said he sensed the Lord wanted to talk to him. Have you ever had experiences like that? You sense that the roller coaster is at a high point and it's about ready to drop, so perhaps God wants to talk with you, or there's some instructions, or there is a release coming in your life, and the Lord has something to say. He told the story of how he sensed that, so he went off to a hotel room, uh, found the quiet place, checked himself into the hotel so that he could pray and seek the Lord. He said that he immediately went into a time of prayer and fasting. No food, just water. And he would get up early in the morning, like 6 o'clock, and pray all day until, until like 11 or 12 o'clock at night. And this went on for several days. And after several days, with no anointing and no answers and no presence, with not a word, 
He said he sat on the bed, and he said something like this. He said, whew, Lord, <laughs> I've been here praying for days and fasting and seeking your face. And if you want to say something, you sure are slow sometimes in doing it. And he said, the moment those words came out of his mouth, a voice spoke to him. It was the voice of God. And it said, to rush God is to find fault with God. And he realized he had made a mistake. We're trying to rush God. See, you, can, you cannot rush God. He'll talk when he wants to talk. He'll manifest when he wants to manifest. He'll move when he knows he wants to move. And so there are times you cannot escape a divine uh, time of waiting. So, during times like that, just keep pushing in. Keep staying in the Word. Keep praying. But, he said, after the Lord shared that with him, and he repented in his heart of having tried to rush God, and he just reverted back to a place of peace. And he got a little edgy because of the fasting, but he got back into the Spirit, reverted back to a place of peace. So, all right, Lord, I'll just stay here, and you just talk whenever you want to talk. He said, then the Lord did come and talk to him about his ministry, and from then on, his ministry came into a new dimension. It, the roller coaster ride began, I guess is a good way to say it. And all the years before that were years of preparation, getting ready for the primary calling that God had for his life. See, nothing's wasted. If, even if you made a wrong turn, and it was a mistake, and it was a sin, if you, if you surrender your heart to the Lord and, and let God come in, he'll heal it, and he'll even make something good out of it, and it can be applied to your primary work that God has for you later down the line. So, don't rush the Lord. Enjoy those waiting periods, because when it comes, it will come, and it will be oftentimes something better than you even thought or imagined. It will be so good, and you'll, you'll realize that's God's best. That is the best. Woo! And it's coming. I sense it so close. It's going to be released into your life, and it's going to make you laugh. It's going to make you praise the Lord. And I'll tell you what, it's going to bring glory to the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Let's see it in the Scriptures. Acts chapter 15. I want to show this to you, because... You're going to catch God's best. You're going to get his very, very best. It's going to make you so happy. It's going to make others righteously envious of you. I didn't say jealous. And I'm not talking about like envy in a sinful way, but in a way they're like, that inspires me. That sets an example. Look how God blessed that person. They got, can you believe that? They got the very car they wanted. They even got the color they wanted. And they got the, the leather interior they wanted. They got everything. They got just what they wanted. I want God to do that for me. Did you see the person's house they got blessed with? Did you see the crown molding? Did you see the marble in the living room? Can you believe they got exactly what they even they wanted a hot tub? There was even a hot tub in the back. Can you believe they got exactly what they wanted? Woo! But if you move too soon, you could get in trouble, and you could end up with a lemon. Oh, but you're going to get something good, something glorious, something that's going to take you even into your destiny, and will bring glory to the Lord in the church. And people will say, praise God, that inspires me. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We have an amazing uh, story of a person who was very patient, and because of that, caught a major ride. 
that changed his ministry. Acts chapter 15, verse 30. So when they were sent off, they came to Antioch. And when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the letter. Now the church in Antioch was flourishing. Historians tell us that the Antioch church had over 90,000 members. It was a very, very powerful church in the spirit. When they had read it, they rejoiced over its encouragement. Now Judas and Silas, say Silas. I want to mention Silas for a moment today. Themselves being prophets. They're prophets, right? Ooh, I like that. Themselves being prophets also exhorted and strengthened the brethren with many words. And after they had stayed there for a time, they were sent back with greetings from the brethren to the apostles. However, it seemed good to silence, to do what? To remain there. Well, sometimes this is what people do. They say, praise God, the meeting's over. Boy, that was a great conference. Hallelujah. Boy, I tell you what, when that letter was read, the spirit moved, didn't it? Yep, that was great. What a great time. Well, the meetings are over. Let's pack our bags and hit them out. But something about Silas said, you know what? I don't know why, but I'm just going to hang out here a little bit longer. I know the meetings are over, and I know I'm not scheduled to speak or anything like that, but I sense in my spirit that my roller coaster ride's about to drop off that high point, and that I, all the, I, I know God's blessed my ministry, and I, uh, God has honored me to be recognized as a prophet throughout the area and throughout the churches, but I sense there's something more. I, I sense God's going to take me to a new level. Woo! So if you don't mind, y'all go ahead. I'm just going to hang out here for a while. I'm going to wait on the Lord. Oh, now we need to be busy, brother. Rush, 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 rush. Go, 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 go. Onward, Christian soldiers. <laughs> Woo! There's a place for that. There's a place for prudence. There's a place for diligence. But please make a place on your divine menu for waiting. And you'll know when it's time to wait. It's just not there. It's not the way you want it. I mean, I mean, if you don't really want to eat at that restaurant, why do you eat there? Why not just wait, drive 20 minutes further, and go somewhere you like? Well, I'm just accustomed, Pastor Stephen, to accepting. Uh, uh, you're, you're accustomed to being fed what you don't want. Look I, look, I heard the Holy Spirit say this, and we're going to pick up with Silas in just a second. I heard the Holy Spirit say, you have the grace to be selective. Okay? You don't have to take something that you don't even really want. Mm. Well, I'll, I guess I'll take that car, it's the last one on the lot. I don't really like the color. I actually hate the color, but I'll, I'll take it. It's all I can afford. That's not God's way. Now you drive that thing around every time you look at it. It just makes your stomach turn, and you feel cheated. That's because you, you, you did. You got done wrong. You got shortchanged. You settled for something that wasn't God's best. Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Ooh. Ooh. Be selective. I'm not saying like you're you're like arrogant or stuck up or you're just like, you know, you gotta have it your way all the time. I'm not I'm not saying anything like that. But I'm saying there are things in your life that God says, you know, you don't have to take that if you don't really want that. You, you don't have to do it like that. You can you can wait. And if you have that divine patience and that, that awaitingness inside of you, you can actually get what you really want instead of just what's being offered. Because what's being offered could be the wrong time. 
Wrong place, wrong person, wrong size, wrong whatever. Wait till you get it right. Then you'll be happy. Woo! Yes. Verse 34. However, it seemed good to Silas to remain there. Mm. What's he doing? He's saying, wait for it. Wait for it. I know the ride. I sense it's about to start, but I'm going to wait. I don't know why, but I got to wait. So he goes down to the hotel and says, I'm going to hang out here. I, I need to pay for five more nights. And he just hangs out there, you know. Verse 35, Paul and Barnabas also remained in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Then after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us now go back and visit our brethren in every city where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Now Barnabas was determined to take with them John called Mark. But Paul insisted that they should not take with them the one who had departed from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. Then the contention became so sharp that they parted from one another, and so Barnabas took Mark and sailed to Cyprus. They had a verbal wrestling match, and in the Greek it applies, this was heated. This wasn't like, dear brother, what would you like to do? And I'll just bend, and I'll be flexible like a palm tree, and we can both bend together. Well, I, I Paul, I, I want to take Mark. Oh, no, you're not! And there, there, you know, he bailed out on us, and he did us wrong, and I don't trust him. Well, you know, I, I, I am the son of encouragement, and you know, I got my eye on him, and you know, he's a relative of mine, and I, you got to stand there for him. He's like, he'll be all right. No, I cannot run with that. We've got to go, and I can't take risk like that. And and, and it got heated, and it didn't it didn't peace it ended peacefully, but it ended saying, God bless you, see you later. May the Lord bless your ministry. <laughs> and so Barnabas, he took Mark, verse 40. But Paul chose who? He so he's chose Silas. What if, what if Silas hadn't have been there? Woo! Can you, can you see what just happened? Silas just got hooked up with the greatest apostle on the face of the earth. He just got hooked up with the man that's walking in the strongest anointing on the planet earth. Woo! Woo! See, you're about to get that business partner that you need to go forward. See, there is such a thing as divine networking. There is such a thing where as you come together, you can do more as a team. You need somebody to fill that spot. And, and, and now you can do more than just a mom-pop operation. Now you can become a corporation. And, and, and you can develop the way God wants you to instead of running out of your bedroom. You can let this thing fly. And, and, and God's going to build it, right? But see, it'll start to come together. You'll catch God's best for your life. And he caught Paul. Now, he wasn't begging. Paul, can you see me over here in the hotel room? Uh, Paul, I just want you to know uh, I'm available for meetings. Here's my card. It says, did you see it says prophet at the beginning? Here's my card, Paul. Keep me in mind in case you ever have a meltdown with Barnabas. <laughs> Woo! Wait for it. Wait for it. And you catch the right thing. And then your ride starts, right? Now it's fun, especially when you go around those curves and do the flips and the roller coaster and your stomach loses the lunch that you had earlier. Oh, it's all fun. See, Paul chose Silas and departed, being commended by their brethren to the grace of God. And he went. A, 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 an apostle is a sit one. And they're off now. And he's thinking, whoo, I'm glad I waited. I'm with Paul. Hmm. 
Man. Can I share, can I share something? Your promotion is here. It's at hand. He began uh, uh, being revealed in scriptures as a prophet, but he ends as an apostle. Still carried that prophetic grace, but comes into a more fullness. Paul was actually an apostle, prophet, and teacher. Here we have Silas as an, a, a prophet, but he comes into the apostolic ministry. Can I give you a little verification of it? It'd make you happy today just to look over. It's actually on my Bible, the other side of the page. Can I show it to you? Can I show you a little bit more of the roller coaster ride? It was so wonderful. Acts chapter 16, verse, verse 22. Look what he dropped into when that roller coaster took off. Then the multitude rose up together against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates tore off their clothes and commanded them to be beaten with rods. And when they had laid many stripes on them, they threw them into the prison. And Silas said, ooh, the apostolic ministry is wonderful. Hallelujah. We're the scourge of the earth. We're the trash of society. But, whoa, we are blessed in the eyes of God. I'm an apostle. I wouldn't trade it for anything. Hit me again, brother. <laughs> Right place, right time. That's where you're at. I want you to close your Bibles. I'd like for you to stand up. If you're watching, stand up. Get ready to receive the anointing to go to the next level. Praise God. There are the times when you wait on the Lord, and there are the times you realize that waiting phase is over. You're in the blessings, and it's really, really nice. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we praise you today. Lord, right now, those that are watching with hungry hearts and, and uh, they feel the pull of your spirit, they know that they have ascended up and now the roller coaster is about to drop and begin the fun ride. Somebody listening to me, you're about to become a multimillionaire. I'm not saying that out of my head. I'm saying that by the spirit. You need to see yourself walking in tremendous prosperity. Understand your calling in Christ. The Apostle Paul said, uh, he was told that, uh, that even as poor, yet making many rich. The anointing on Paul turned many people into tremendous businessmen and businesswomen. Hallelujah. Praise God forever. There's power in the gospel. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we praise you today. I pray for those who are standing up. Lord, that they see themselves on the brink of having been pulled to the top and the drop is just about to begin. Somebody, your academic career is about to take off. Somebody, your music career is about to take off. Your album is going to be received. It's, there's favor on your life. You'll find yourself in the place that you've dreamed of being. Praise be unto the Lord. Somebody senses the call to ministry. And you hold in high esteem those who stand in a full-time ministry office. And you say, Lord, it will be so wonderful. Your time is coming. It's very, very near. Hallelujah. There's always a divine waiting. Somebody, I, I feel the cry of your heart. You're single. And you know God has a spouse for you. But see, you've waited for the right one. I'm telling you, 
God can bring that person and cause that person to sit right next to you, right in front of you. It's going to happen. It is absolutely going to happen. You're going to meet that person. The Lord is going to drop that person into your life. Your time has come. Father, with the anointing of your spirit upon my life right now, I just release breakthrough into the lives of your people. Let the breakthrough happen now in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let the doors open now in Jesus' name. The blessings are looking for you. They're chasing you. And they're just about to grab a hold of you and jump all over you. Pastor Stephen, what should I do? Push it. Don't let up. Push it with everything you've got. Pray more. Praise more. Spend more time in the Word. Give more. Love more. Hallelujah. And share it with everybody that you can. Lord, we praise you. The church is coming into its finest hour. I speak freedom over your life. I break off depression from those who would struggle with discouragement and depression. I break it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. I speak to the person with chronic fatigue. I break it off of your life in the name of the Lord Jesus. Any sickness, any disease, any form of illness which is demonic bondage, I loose you from it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Begin to move around. I command every symptom to leave in the name of the Lord Jesus. Move your body and see that God's healing power is flowing right now. All symptoms of that foul curse are leaving your body. I rebuke generational curses. You are the generation that breaks out. You are. You're the one who's breaking out. It ends now. The blessings of God on your life. You perpetuate a new generation of overcomers in Christ. Your fam family lineage is blessed. Hallelujah. Lord, we praise you. Lord, we thank you. I rebuke spiritual barrenness. You can't pray. You can't focus when you read the word. I rebuke it in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now I rebuke physical barrenness. Those husbands and wives and something's not right. You can't have a child. It's, you need a medical miracle. The Lord Jesus heals you now. The Lord Jesus makes you potent now. You shall produce. Hallelujah. Now it's just up to you to how much producing you want to do. One child, three child, three children. Praise God. The Lord, we thank you. Those with children, I speak over you that all your children shall serve the Lord and shall bring honor and glory to the Lord's name and that your family is blessed. Hallelujah. May the Lord reverse any wrong turns you've made in life. May his grace be applied to create a divine U-turn in your life to get you back on track. May His grace be applied now.
to make up for any lost time and pain and hurt. May the knowledge of those experiences be applied to benefit you and to bless others. May your knowledge not be wasted or squandered, but may every ounce of it be applied for the betterment of others. And from henceforth, may you walk in the wisdom of God, special insight that is not naturally attained. May it be yours now through Christ. You will not deviate from the path of God. You will go straight down the middle road and walk in God's very best. Now, Heavenly Father, I speak blessing over your people. They have waited upon you. Let them enjoy the ride that you now unfold before them. And we worship you in Jesus' name. Let us now worship the Lord. As we go before the Lord, sing to him from your heart. Give him your love and your praise. And I'll see you back next time. Have a great week. Your time of waiting has been fulfilled. Enjoy the blessings. about the ministry of Apostle Stephen Brooks, visit our website at stephenbrooks.org.